We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday. It's November 23rd. It's 2020. It's the Week 11 Review Podcast. I'm joined by my good buddy, Blenderhead, Jordan Cooper. How are you doing, my friend? Good. How was your vacation? You left me with Grant. You know, you know how <laughs> bad it is for the past two weeks? I have to deal with Grant. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even listen. Um, I, I fully disconnected. Um, and we'll talk about that when we get into like talking about our cash lineups. Like, I'm glad that I wasn't on the show with you last week because I did very little research last week. I tried to play and uh, did not go well. I did very little research this week and it actually went pretty well. So um, it'd be it'd be fun when we go over that stuff. But yeah, it was it was nice to just kind of disconnect for a couple weeks, um, especially after like anybody that played NASCAR this year or like followed my NASCAR content, they know how crazy the schedule was. Like there was 10 weeks off in the middle of the season and they still finished the season on time. So, um, you know, it was, it was a grind. So it was, it was just nice, man. You know how it is, Jordan, you've been on vacation, like during DFS. I remember you going on vacation. What was it? A few months ago. So, or God, it seems no, no, like it I went to, I went to Hawaii for, 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 for three weeks yeah, I was during football season and then the end of baseball and I'm just on the cruise like, like, wow, I get to just troll everyone with their bad picks because I have no, I have no consequence because I did I, I, I can't play. I'm not I can't technically legally even enter lineups. And uh, it was it was kind of nice to just see all of the 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 players that I probably would have had in my lineups and and been upset about without having the action. To, to, you know, I have no consequence. Zero dollars. Who cares? Yeah, like I just I disconnected from like Twitter and everything, man. Like it was just it was good family time and it was much needed. So um let's talk some week eleven. I'm gonna let you kind of go through like your cash process, what you thought was chalk. Um I was very disconnected this week. I looked at projected ownership a little bit on Sunday or Saturday night, Sunday morning, but like I did my research, I didn't read anything, I didn't watch any shows, and I just kind of did my thing. So it was just like my thoughts this week and like I said, it was a pretty good week. Um, much better week on FanDuel. DraftKings made a few hundred bucks, and I'll take it. 
Um, so I'll let you kind of go through your process. You were much more in tune with um, who was chalk, who was all that stuff. Right. Uh, I got away with, with, with highway robbery yesterday. Okay. I, I, I went, I, I went on the, I went on the, the showdown show with Keith uh, at seven o'clock. So the slate that you still had another quarter left in, in some of these late games. I went in thinking that I was dead. Like I, I went in going, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making it. I mean, even after the 1 p.m. games, I was like, I was considering late swapping. I didn't realize, I didn't know how far down I was. But then I was, I started looking through a bunch of my double ups. And because I had a late defense. So I always have to, like, you have to add like 10 points or something, at least five to 10 points to see what, you know, what the differential would be between your scoring. And I thought I was like maybe seven points behind the cash line because of that. It's like, okay, seven points behind the cash line. I have more PMR. I have like one extra slot than most other people. So I decided to just stay pat. I, I was considering uh, switching, uh, switching out some people and I, maybe I could get into that, but, uh, but going at, at seven o'clock, like, uh, like I didn't have Keenan Allen in my cash lineup and he was like 35 to 40% owned and he's going nuts in the first, he's having a hundred yards in like the first half. And I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Right here, here's here's another losing week. Okay, here we go. You know, it's the the, the karma from from the 50k win. Like I gotta just <laughs> dump some money back. You know, just it's, it's the DFS gods getting even. So uh, so I did the show, and then I came back like after 40, 45 minutes of the show, I wasn't paying attention to the to the last uh, quarter, and uh, and the Packers go to overtime. Uh, Justin Jefferson catches a 60 yard touchdown, and uh, and I and I, I I turn up and I'm like, oh. I, Wow, I, my green number is higher than my entries number. Like, what, what happened there? What I, I thought this was going to be a fairly a decent losing week, and now actually I made a fair bit of profit. So, like, I, I, I it's once you hear who is in my lineup, you could, you could see how much of highway robbery I, I did. I, I ended up playing the, the blitz optimal. Uh, I was considering not. I, I had a couple of choices that I was considering making, and I just thought like. I don't want to be in blitz chat when everyone's winning. And I made the, I made the, like, I had a 50, 50, should I make this type of thing? And I don't want to be the loser. So I don't want to be sitting there while everyone's celebrating. So uh, my quarterback was Taysom Hill. Uh, my running backs were Duke Johnson and uh, Adrian Peterson. Right. Adrian Peterson, 1.8 points. Yeah. I, I, this is what I mean by highway robbery. I, I got there with 146.32. I divided Duke Adams. too, you said? Yeah, 146.32. No, no, I said uh, you had Duke Johnson as well? As well, yes. Okay. With six and a half points. All right. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jacoby Myers, Mark Andrews, Dalvin Cook, and the Broncos defense. So for this slate, if we look at, you know, like what, what constructions that you were going to make, I think the clear choice at quarterback was Taysom Hill. 4,800 with rushing equity, like, why not? He was going to be, he's, he was the, the chalkiest quarterback in cash. Uh, if you took Taysom Hill off the slate, probably uh, Watson or Newton would have been the construction. I can understand Herbert, but I didn't think you needed to go all the way up to like 6,800. I guess I could understand Joe Burrow, I guess, but just for the context of the slate, Taysom Hill at 4,800 starting for the saints. Like, and he ended up not really even rushing that much. He had, well, he had two rushing touchdowns, but uh, they, they kind of used him more like Drew Brees. And then at the running back position, you, you, you were playing Dalvin cook. 
Like you had the money. You were playing Dalvin Cook. Right. You're you're right. There's no question about that. Then all the other choices were up in the air. Uh, You didn't have to play three running backs on this slate. If you made a four wide receiver building cash, it was, it was uh, even with like old school type of thinking. Like I think wide receiver and flex is perfectly fine for cash. I I'm, I'm more on board with that. And yet I made a mistake by not doing that, which I'll get into. Uh, so you probably played a, some type of mix of Balage, Peterson, Johnson, maybe, maybe Bernard, maybe, <laughs> maybe Salvan Ahmed, because he was forty eight hundred and favored against the, the Dolphins. Like that was kind of kind of the construction. Like like I, I don't think you needed to play a six K running. You were playing like Balage was like the Cook Balage was like the most you were spending at running back in cash games. And then at wide receiver, Jacoby Myers, based on the recent games, he ended up with a 7% target share yesterday. You can't, you can't trust the Patriots. So even though like for the past two or three games, he had a 40% target share. Well, everyone played him anyway. So, I mean, he projected to be the best wide receiver play point per dollar at 4,900. And then you played some type, you either went up or down. If you went up, you played Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams. If you went down, you were playing like a combination of like Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, maybe Amari Cooper. I can understand. Uh, and and if you were going to punt, you probably played Denzel Mims. Although I can understand some people played Chris Conley, but for the the extra couple of hundred bucks, I think like Mims was projected to be a better play. If you played Deontay Johnson, I get it. It's in that range. Like that 5K range, if you built that way. And then a tight end, tight end was a wasteland. So like, I can understand a lot of the, the pay down option was Logan Thomas. He busted. And if you paid up, you played Mark Andrews. I understand Dallas Goddard or TJ Hawkinson, but like my attitude on this slate, especially with Taysom Hill salary. And if you like punted at a running back position with like an Adrian Peterson or Duke Johnson, uh, like why play Goddard or Hawkinson when you could just pay it for Mark Andrews? Uh, so, I mean, you could have played Hunter Henry, I guess. I mean, at that point, you should be playing Mark Andrews. And then a defense, uh, if you paid down, you probably played the, the Bengals. If you paid up, you probably played the Dolphins. And then that that like middle range was like the, 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 the Washington team, Broncos. Uh, I can understand if you paid down to play the Falcons. I mean, defense is defense. Like the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Falcons all got five points. The Was- Washington and Broncos got 12. The Browns got 20. If you played the Browns, I think that's perfectly fine, but we're talking about defense there. So to me, that was the construction, the two, the choice that I was considering making uh, two choices. So to go through before Stevie, you tell me uh, your lineup. Uh, I looked at the, at the, at the blitz optimal and I'm like, do I need to pay up for Devonte Adams? Can I get uh, good enough production from Keenan Allen instead then if I take Devontae Adams down to Keenan Allen, I get 1,200 and I don't get enough to go from Adrian Peterson up to Kalen Balaj. Like, and I don't want to move Taysom Hill and I don't want to move Jacoby Myers. So do I take Justin Jefferson down to Brandon Cooks in order to do that? Well, if I do that, that means I have Duke Johnson and Brandon Cooks in my lineup. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of relying a little much on the Texans game. And because I have Myers in there as well. So I, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. I didn't know if I wanted to play the Falcons defense 
and concede there because I had I didn't have a hundred left. Uh, so I decided to go with the the Devontae Adams lineup. And before lock, just like I've been saying the past couple of weeks that running back variance is much it's actually higher now than it is in wide receiver variance. So as I was considering not playing Duke Johnson at 5,400 and just playing Brandon Cooks at 5,200 instead, because I already had Cook and I already had Adrian Peterson in my lineup. So it's not like I needed another running back. So I'm like, is Cooks going to put up like six for 60? Like that's 12 points. Like, is that better than what Duke Johnson's going to do? But then then in the back of my head, Duke Johnson's going to be on the field for like 98% of these snaps. So like just from a volume, I know the Texans don't run running backs. You know, it's, 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 it, it looks like a good opportunity, but they just don't, he runs all these routes and never gets the ball. Uh, and he runs two yards at a time to, between the tackles. But like, I have to side with the guy that's going to be on the field all the time. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I just, like I had to, I, I would, I would have had a better score. I mean, I would have had a six points higher score. I would have probably, uh, won a couple of more head to heads, but, uh, I still, I still, I got out alive. I, in the big two fifty double up, I cashed, uh, just inside the line by 0.2 points. So that got me, that swept me in pretty much all my double ups. And I won about 56% of my head to heads, which is kind of like a eh, kind of nearly a break, even week on head to heads, but I came out ahead in the green, uh, even with dusty old Adrian Peterson and his 18 rushing yards in my life. All right. So <clears throat> I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this lineup. So oh, you're, again, you're smiling. You're well, okay. <laughs> before you tell me the lineup, what, what was your score? I scored 162. Uh, oh, oh no, you got so lucky. Let me hear this. Um, <laughs> all right. Again, I didn't know, like, I didn't really look into, like, who's chalk. I did my own research. Okay. And, you, and you play single entry also. So I play single just, entry, yep. Right, so I understand that if it's yep. not a true, like, median cash type of build. So I'm, I'm and not like, going to make fun of you for that. Yeah, and, like, every week, just, I, I say this every week, but almost every week I'm going to have a game stack in my main lineup. I don't call it a cash lineup because it's a main lineup to me. I throw it in double ups, single entry double ups. I throw it in three-man, five-mans. And usually like the hundred dollars single entry on DraftKings. So my lineup this week was Herbert. I got I didn't play Taysom. I almost fully faded Taysom on DraftKings and tournaments in general. Um, played him almost. I think I had two lineups with um, him on without him on FanDuel. Uh, it was like it was an easy no brainer on FanDuel. But I thought opportunity cost was too. Like I played a lot of Watson and Herbert this week on DraftKings. So um, so I went Herbert, Ahmed. Uh, Mike Davis and Cook as like my three running backs. Um, Keenan Allen. I ran it back with Mims. I played Jacoby Myers. I didn't expect Jacoby Myers to be as chalky. Like he was cheap. It made sense. And then I played Hawkinson and the Eagles uh, defense. So I ran Hawkinson back with Davis uh, to get, you know, a little bit of exposure to both sides of that. And like the Eagles and Browns were like two of my favorite defenses this week. Again, Defense doesn't matter to me like any, any week. Um, I knew Cincinnati was probably going to be popular because they were super cheap. So I thought the Eagles, I had the extra 200 bucks. I spent it. Uh, the Eagles came in at less than 5%. They put up eight points. Defense doesn't matter. Like that game was going to be rainy. I thought like, you know, we know Mayfield gets sacked a bunch. So I was like, I'll play the Eagles defense. Um, so 
you know, I don't think the lineup's too crazy when I was looking at it, when you're talking about all these chalky plays and stuff. Um, I was surprised that Mike Davis wasn't more popular going up against Detroit in cash games. Like he was 19%. I have the massive $25 up in front of me. So I don't think it was too crazy. Um, it's not. You know, Mims- I, th- I, I really thought you were going to surprise. Like other, <laughs> I, I think you mentioned the one, one player that's like Mike Davis. I yeah. now from a GPP perspective, Mike Davis is like, you know, positional leverage off of Kalen Balage. So, and he correlates with the uh, Hawkinson. So like, I get it from a GPP perspective and I get the Herbert, the Allen. I, I like your lineup to me is not your lineup is what I would consider like a triple up a single entry. Yeah lineup that has that still has floor properties in it but i mean it's built for you know to to win a small field contest because you you got off the chalk somewhat but you still played multiple popular plays in the lineup you had correlation it's not like mims was unknown mims was a popular enough pun play in double ups so and 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 yeah and Allen was chalk also. So we talked Stevie uh, about GPP yeah. on on here about oh people don't run it back often enough or people don't correlate often enough. It's like like your lineup does that while still having a floor. So people, it's to me the difference between Mike Davis and Kalen Balaj was probably minimal, other than Mike Davis was like eleven hundred more. So like. Kalen Balaj against, uh, and then also, you, if you're not going to play Kalen Balaj in that lineup, you already have Herbert and Allen. Right. Like, why are you playing the running back also? So I, I thought this was going to be a nutso lineup. I listen to this and I go, <laughs> no, that seems like a pretty smart lineup that for single entry that also can compete in double ups. So I, I dude, you I was debating. I thought I was so, going to make fun of you. I thought I'm going to, I'm applauding you. I think that's a, <laughs> a good one. I was debating on a, Adrian Peterson with Andrews um, instead of Hawkinson and Ahmed. But like, and I think that had the Cincinnati defense or some, it was a punt defense. So, and at the end of the day, I was just like, you know what? I don't trust Detroit at all. Like I, I think Deandre Swift is a really talented running back. Johnson's failed multiple times and AP is Adrian Peterson. And like, I played him some on FanDuel, but for the most part, I stayed away from those Detroit running backs. And then, like you mentioned with Balazs, like in cash, I don't hate Herbert, Allen, and Balazs together, but like not in a single entry tournament. So there was just no way um, Balazs was going to make it in there. And like, you know, when I was like constructing this team, like there's a couple different ways, like that you were talking about that I looked at as well. Like, I, I you know, you have to look at Devontae Adams every week, but like, Keenan Allen, he made a ton of sense this week. Like you're looking at those Jets corners, and like I think one of them's a rookie, undrafted rookies. Like they're just they're they're garbage. Um, you know, as far as like pro caliber corners, and like it's, to me, it just made a ton of sense. And like Herbert gives you so much floor and upside at the same time. And Taysom Hill, I knew he was going to be popular, and it's just like. I don't trust that situation at all. If Taysom Hill struggles in the first half, do they bring in Winston? Like to me, it was just like a no brainer to play him on FanDuel. Like you get a quarterback at tight end. And it was so dumb, but yeah, I don't think my lineup's too crazy. Like, especially like looking through like results DB, you know, Jacoby Meyer is very, very popular. So let's, let's switch it over to results DB and kind of go through this really quick. Um, quarterback was Taysom Hill, like he was the chalk. It wasn't even close. You look at it all buy-in levels. Obviously, as you get up in price, his ownership went way, way higher. 
Right. I mean, I'm taking a look at the, the differentials between the massive hundred dollar single entry double up, massive $25 single entry double up and the giant $5 single entry double up. And I don't see that many discrepancies. I really don't see much. I mean, sometimes we see certain weeks where, where higher stakes players, presumably sharper players uh, are way ahead on certain, on certain constructions while the lower stakes, it's a mishmash of different constructions. But like Dalvin Cook was uh, 79% in the $100 double up. He was 69% in the $5 double up. So that's a 10% discrepancy, but he still was the highest owned player in the double up. Same thing right. if we take a look at quarterback, like most of the constructions dealt with, I mean, Taysom Hill was what's about 6% higher owned in the $100 double up. And then obviously all these other quarterbacks kind of mixed, mixed around in the low stakes, but like it just overall, from a perspective, even Jacoby Myers, there was a little bit of a discrepancy there, but once you get into like the mid range, like Balage was like across the board about equal McLaurin about equal Logan Thomas about equal Adams was a little bit more used in higher stakes. Like Peterson was actually more used in higher stakes. But like everything else, like Andrews a little bit more used in higher stakes, obviously, because Peterson was owned, so you could play Andrews. So I'm like, I'm looking through a lot of these. And normally on, on Mondays, I would like tweet out a whole bunch of results DB stuff on like who the biggest differentials and cash games are. And like, I there's, there's really nothing. I mean, I'm even looking at the low stakes going, who did low stakes players play that was nuts, that was completely off the board compared to high stakes? And I really don't see, I mean, the, the differences of one and 2%, I'm not a... I'm not all, all that enamored over, but uh, but I mean, I think in all cash games, people nailed like the construction type. It's just a matter of there were a lot there were a lot of choices in each range that you could have played, such as like that mid range 5K. Do you play Cooks? Do you play Deontay Johnson? Do you play Justin Jefferson? Do you play at the high high end? Do you play Adams? Do you play Allen? At the tight end, you had like four or five options. So. It was less about the construction and more about which which exact player did you choose, but you got the construction right. It just came out to like which the difference between 10, 10, 15 points in your double ups up or down probably just came to like, well, I played the AP construction and you played the Balage construction that didn't have Andrews. So we kind of like, oh, it's a three point difference because I played you know Hawkinson and you got an extra eight points from Andrews and I got an extra you know. 14 points from Balage and it's kind of, kind of a wash in that sense. So a lot of the, a lot of the results in double ups were very bunched up and that's why, you know, coming in point two above the cash line and like maybe two points or three points in some of the lower stakes. Like when I looked at that at seven forty-five when all the games were over and I did my show, like, I, I don't know, Stevie, I don't, I'm not even sure if I've ever helped felt more happier in, in cash games, like in, of any slate, that I've ever played. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it's always a good feeling when you think you're dead and you end up making money. Um, so there's been making a good amount of money. I went in to, to, I mean, with the volume that I play. So like, this is all comparable. I, 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 I went into the showdown show thinking that I was going to be down maybe about 4,500 on the day. So I'm like, like that kind of sucks. Uh, and then, then when I, after the show, I'm like, I'm up 2,500. So I'm like, 
Like to like that's to a me, huge swing, <laughs> right? To to me, to me, like that. To me, I, it feels like like someone literally came into my office after my show and handed me seven thousand dollars. Just like that's what it felt like. Like it never, it's never felt that way because I thought it's like okay, let me let me move on to the Thanksgiving slate, right? Three losing cash slates in a row. Let me see if I can turn it around. And next thing you know, it's like some some DFS fairy comes down through the window in my office with a little money bag and goes, "Here's seven thousand dollars. There you go." <laughs> yeah it's hilarious um yeah looking through this i don't i i'm i'm much more interested to look at like tournaments um i always am when we do this show like you're more of a cash game player to me like no, I, i'm I, more like, of a gpp player i just like no i said the name me i didn't say like okay in general I, like in general like we both don't play cash volume e- even close to some of these guys like um that play every day so uh, it was like I had a I had a great week on Fanduel. I think a lot of people um had good weeks on Fanduel. Like on Fanduel, I think you know if you didn't play Taysom, you you made a mistake. Like I get, I get like the whole game theory aspect of fading him. I just wanted to talk about this really quick before we move on to DraftKings tournaments where we can look at it. Like I get we talk about game theory, we talk about like getting off of people, and like in normal instances, that's fine. If it's a running back, if it's a wide receiver. But but Jordan, we had a we had a quarterback at stone minimum in the tight end slot. Like there's there's times to get off of plays, and there's times just to hit the button that has the little lock next to it and just build around it. So I wanted to talk about it really quick. So what I did a lot on Fanduel this week was I ran Taysom with Julio and Thomas, and then made a correlation quarterback wide receiver, wide receiver, and use my flex with wide receivers a lot and did like in-game, in-game stacks um, to try to make my Taysom lineups differently because I didn't think a lot of people would be trying to do that. Um, now, they didn't hit Julio. You know, he dealt with the hamstring injury and like I think one or two of them cashed. Like I, I had a Herbert, Allen, Mims, Thomas, Julio, um, Taysom stack that did well on FanDuel, but like – I just really quickly just wanted to talk about that because it was obviously like, even if you weren't on Twitter, you, you kind of saw um, just how crazy it was, but yeah, like it was, it was just an interesting week and like 60%. What did Taysom end up becoming owned? I, I saw, cause I didn't play on FanDuel, so I don't know, but I, I saw on uh, at least at lock that in most contests, Taysom was only like 60 Five to 70% owned. So I play a lot of single entry and three entry stuff on FanDuel. I don't really play the Sunday Millionaire. I've talked about this many times. Um, I have the $50 single entry up in front of me, and he was 89%. Okay, that 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 that's efficient then. Yeah, like the, the single entry stuff. But like, like I was saying, though, like stacks inside stacks, like so this lineup that I have in front of me, like the, his counterparts, like – Thomas and these guys were hardly ever like hardly hardly owned like Emmanuel Sanders hardly owned like so I feel like that is where people kind of messed up with Taysom like take and I had Taysom teams don't get me wrong I had Taysom teams that were Taysom alone I felt like this was a rare instance that you could play Taysom without stacking him like he was just going to be so popular it didn't matter but I feel like a lot of people's mistakes this week were just playing Taysom without getting any exposure to running stacks with him. Right. I mean, you, you get in, you could make some lineups like that, but Taysom in general, when, when every time you're viewing a player, 
I mean, when you're choosing a player, you're weighing projection versus correlation versus leverage. So those are the three levers. So people that are like, well, Taysom's going to be high owned. I'm going to fade him. Well, that that's you're you're only you're only taking into account leverage right there. You're just saying, oh, he's the highest owned guy. I'm just going to hope that he fails. It's like, well, how often does he fail for that price in this spot? If you took a, tight ends, if we had a Kelsey, if we had a Kittle, if we had a Waller, even like they they could you could make a, a claim that uh, how often does Taysom not become the highest raw points? I'm talking about raw point. I'm not even talking about point per dollar. Just okay. raw points, tight end because you have one tight end spot. So you, if you have the raw points leader in tight end, if you have the T one on the slate, you 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 have a good shit. You're probably going to need it to win to win a GPP unless they're like none owned. So. You take a look at that and you go, okay, who's the next tight end? Andrews, if you looked at any projections, RG, the Blitz, anything, uh, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill's median was double the next tight end, like double. So he had like a median projection of over 20 points and Andrews had like 11 as a median projection. Taysom Hill's 50th percentile outcome in projections was Mark Andrews' 80 plus percent outcome so how often will mark andrews or tj hawkinson or whatever beat Taysom hill if we played this out ten thousand times probably Taysom hill wins over 90 percent of the time yep. okay so now if Taysom hill is 93 percent owned 95 percent owned and you want to make a lineup that fades him now now okay now now okay there is a five percent chance okay i then you want to make a lineup fine. That's a little bit less efficient. But also, if you're wrong in that lineup and Taysom Hill is the winner of the TE1 position, it busts all of your lineups. If Taysom Hill is not the TE1 of the slate, let's say Mark Andrews, for instance, got 20 points and Taysom Hill got 17. Like, what's the what's the difference? You didn't even gain anything. You have more to lose by, by 90% of the field having such an egregiously priced tight end being a quarterback that that you're not gaining enough leverage it's like you he's a $4,500 tight end he could put up a zero and be in the winning lineup we said this about Mike Davis the week before at 4k that if Mike Davis gets eight points he could still be in the winning lineup often or not because he's 4k in a running back slot where if running back variance that week it, it you know, the score doesn't matter as much tight end is the most like the tight end the, the tight ends, if you get seven points, sometimes you're happy. So all the people that were like, I'm going to fade Taysom on, on FanDuel. Yeah, DraftKings, it's different. The opportunity, you can only roster one quarterback, right? right. You can't roster like, like well, I, if you don't play, if you play Taysom Hill, you can't play Justin Herbert. On FanDuel, you can. So like, yep. if I was playing on FanDuel, I would have locked Taysom into all of my lineups because in NFL DFS, you never see someone with that high probability of, of succeeding compared to his position that I've ever seen playing NFL DFS. You see it in basketball, right? Basketball. Some said they mispriced the point, the backup point guard or something, right? Marcus Smart or so whoever is uh, 3,500 and, you know, and, and Kemba's out and Hayward's out and like, like no one, everyone's out. And it's like, well, he proje- his median projection is like, he should be a $7,800 player and he's 3,500. So you see a lot of sharp players that literally press the lock button going like, 
he's going to succeed way too often that uh, you don't gain enough leverage, even when he fails, that you just lock him in. So like, I, I mean, I'm assuming people that listen to this, po- po- this podcast are smart and, and did that. But in the contest where he was 90 plus percent owned and you decided to make a non-Taysom Hill lineup, like at, at least the math shows that, yes, I guess, I guess, I guess you can. It just, I, don't, I just don't think you're gaining much by doing it. Yeah, like, again, I I think I built two hand-built teams. I had Andrews with Lamar instead of Taysom. Um, and I think, honestly, I think one of those teams I played Taysom in the flex with um, Mark Andrews. So I was trying to be different with, like, a Taysom lineup. So uh, let's get into DraftKings. We have results DB pulled up in front of us. We're going to look at four tournaments this week. Uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about it with cash games. There's not a lot of difference this week. Um, I think the biggest difference that you're going to see is like the Millie maker, the play action compared to like the hundred dollars single entry spy um, is like the biggest you're going to see in like percentages this week. So, um, so we have the play action, the two Millie makers and the spy up in front of us to kind of go through and talk about, uh, is there anything that kind of like instantly jumped off the page to you? Cause like for the first time in, like, I didn't really do this last week, but like for the first time in like 10 weeks to me this year, there's not a ton that jumps off the page to me this week. No, there, there it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, the differences of a couple of percent. The only thing that stood out, cause I also were looking at like sharper players lineups, this morning that uh, the biggest discrepancy is what people did with Alvin Kamara. Uh, Alvin Kamara at, at what? He was 9,200. Nine. He was, I, I didn't play him. So that's why I, I barely know what his salary was. Uh, Alvin Kamara was natural positional and price leverage off of Dalvin cook. He was also negatively correlated, possibly negatively correlated to Taysom Hill. So, uh, obviously, Alvin Kamara could catch passes out of the backfield. Yesterday was the first time that he's literally had no catches because uh, Taysom didn't throw him the ball. Uh, so, I, I, a lot of the lower stakes players made that pivot. Like, we talk about leverage. Leverage doesn't necessarily mean pivots. People use the term pivot. Like, that's one form of leverage. That's an indirect form of leverage of everyone's playing Dalvin cook. So I'm going to play the same exact lineup and then play Kamara in it. Cause that, but that lineup only wins when Kamara beats out cook. Like other than that, your lineup isn't even that different. It's the same lineup just with Kamara in there. So is it better, more beneficial if you're going to fade cook to just play Adam Thielen, which is what I did. Like and I played yep. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin cook, I think in 94% of my lineups, like one of them. One of them was in some of them. I had cousin stacks, so I you know, I had two of them in. So I'm like the Vikings' uh, condensed offense is is like one of these three guys is going to go off. I don't know which one. Let me just start shoving them in, and whatever happens happens. Uh, that isn't the case for for Kamara. Like if if Taysom Hill doesn't do well, that doesn't mean Kamara succeeds. And they're not. Caught, I mean some. And if Kamara does well, that doesn't even mean that he beats Dalvin Cook, right? You pivot. Let's say Kamara had a 27-point day. Well, it didn't get you anything. Dalvin Cook had 29 points. So, like, it, it, it didn't get you anything. Kyle Kamara would have to beat Cook and then also have to be negatively correlated to Taysom Hill. If Kamara had 30 points on two passing touchdowns from Taysom Hill and you're playing Kamara instead of Taysom Hill and Cook, 
Like you're not getting anything either because Taysom Hill's getting all those points, right? Because Taysom Hill has 30 points in that scenario. So I think a lot of sharper players identified that the leverage that Kamara offered didn't didn't really didn't gain you enough didn't didn't do enough because it you still had to play the same type of lineup as everyone else would cook that just from a construction perspective like you're just you're just not get you're just not gaining enough at that high of a price if you wanted to fade Jacoby Myers as a one-off oh well now we have tons of options right there are tiny that you get tons of 5k wide receivers that you can play the same lineup and just fade uh, Jacoby Myers and gain leverage over 25% of the field. Obviously, the, the obviously, if everyone would have known beforehand, it was Demir Bird, right? <laughs> right. You take it, they take the other, the other receiver, and he goes nuclear. But uh, but no one did that. But just just understand that's why. Like the only thing that stands out is that like in the spy, Kamara was 19% owned. In the big $500 Millie, he was 14% owned. But in the, the regular Millie in the play action, they were 22% owned. I'm surprised he was really, I'm really surprised he was that owned. I I, I thought he was going to be like 10% owned. And uh, and I mean, I wasn't playing. And even at 10% owned, I thought he was over-owned. So like, I'm not going to play him at 10%. I'm not going to play him at 22%. Like I'm much more rather, I, I, I went in the mid-range of running back more. I played Connor, Robinson, Elliot, like like that level. Mike Davis, yeah, I played him also. I, I was going more in that range than find some replacement for Dalvin Cook. It's like no, either I'm building a Dalvin Cook lineup, a nine K running back, or I'm not. I'm, I'm just not playing Dalvin Cook. I'm just playing two other running backs, and then in that lineup, I have Thielen or Jefferson. Um, I think like the biggest thing that we're looking at this week is how many people use Minnesota and didn't run it back. Um. Whether you use Dalvin Cook, he was 40, collectively 44% owned. We'll say 45% owned. Jefferson was 21.5. Thielen um, was around 14%. You know, like when you're looking at that, that's a lot of ownership. And you're looking at like the Dallas side of things. And like Amari was somewhat popular. It was a little over 10%. He was about 11%. And like, Obviously, you don't trust Andy Dalton, but if you're expecting Minnesota, the, the, one of the fastest pace games projected on the weekend, Dallas is playing like they haven't stopped Jordan. Like it doesn't matter who's at quarterback, they're just going to play fast this year. If you're projecting all these points, it was one of the highest total games. It was the game that everybody liked. Uh, again, like looking at like the Dallas side, like there's so many options. You could there's there's four guys you could have technically if you wanted to play Schultz. There's five guys that you could have run it back with here. Um, like Zeke, he wasn't overly expensive this week. Like if you're playing Thielen and Cousins, or you know you could potentially play Zeke. Um, just looking at the ownership on these guys, like Cooper was low owned, um, CD Lamb was low owned, and, and like there's stacks that these guys got there because like these guys did well. And like, I, I think that's the biggest thing this week is looking at, like, even in these popular games on a slate where there wasn't many games that you expected to be like straight shootout games, people are still not running it back. Right. I mean, taking a look at my own exposures, I said on my Saturday stream, as well as, as, as well as on the ASA show that, like this seems like the type of slate that it's a lot of middling scores. And if you can nail the one good game, you win. So I took a, I planted my flag on three games. Essentially. I planted my flag on 
Washington, Cincinnati. I planted my flag on Chargers, Jets, and I planted my flag on Dallas, Minnesota. So like looking at my exposures, yeah, I have 34%. This is in 120 lineups. 34% Alvin Cook, 31% Alan Thielen, 28% Justin Jefferson. Okay, that sounds okay. You have a, pretty much have, have one of those guys in every lineup. I have 26% Amari Cooper, 25% CeeDee Lamb. I have 10% Michael Gallup and 10% uh, Dalton Schultz. And I also have 17% Zeke Elliott. So like if I'm gonna play all this Minnesota, like what wh- why why aren't I'm I'm playing Dalton? I Dalton was my highest exposed quarterback. I was yeah. playing a lot of Dalton stacks with the Vikings guys as the one guy as as the run back, because I thought it would be let it because obviously looking to results DB, it was the it was the one that was the less likely used in Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson lineups. So you think in terms of that on the the one that it didn't work out would be the Steelers, right? Yeah. If you stacked Ben with Claypool and Deontay Johnson, that was great. None of the runbacks did anything. I mean, like James Robinson had 11 points, Conley no. had two points. Like the <laughs> no. runbacks never got there. Yeah. Like I played a lot of Deontay Johnson, um, um, Chark like stacks, like secondary stacks. And like, um, yeah, it's just, it was ugly. Like that game was just, it was ugly. So well, you could say the same thing, even for the chargers. I look, you know, the chargers other than like at the end of the game that Mims got to double digits. Like I had a lot of Herbert Allen Williams, Henry double type of double stacks with Mims as a run back. It's like, okay, 10 points for his is fine. But I also had Crowder and he didn't do anything. Right. He had two points or something. Right. And then, uh, and then the same for the Bengals and the, and the, uh, the Washington team. Like the problem with those stacks is that Burrow gets, it gets injured in the beginning of the second half. So he's sitting there with 12 points and they're like, I'm not going to win with, with 12 points of quarterback anymore. So like those lineups are dead. My Higgins lineups are dead, right? The, the, the McLaurin didn't really have a ceiling or anything, but I mean, I just planted my flag on those three games and like, it turns out those probably were the, the best games. I mean, the Packers Colts were fine, but the production was spread out there. It just comes, it just comes down to like, do you want, do you want to, try to win a GPP by picking out the nine guys that do well, just randomly. It could happen, right? You could just, I've done it before long time ago, baseball. I've done it before, but it it is very, very likely that is not going to hit very often. Right. It's more likely that if you could reduce the amount of things that you need to get right, that if you get those things, right, you are putting yourself in the position to win per first place. Just like we stack five guys on DK and MLB. The same reason why it's like, okay, what game environment, what game is going to go 10 plus points over its total? And how do I stack that game salary wise that it makes sense to do so? So, and, ju- and just do that. And if that happens to not be the game, see the good thing is, and we've talked about it before, is that if you make correlated lineups, if the game bombs, the whole lineup bombs but it doesn't infect any of your other lineups. So I know that my, my Bengals guys, my, my Alex Smith, McLaurin, Logan Thomas with T Higgins as a run back, like they're all snowflakes, like good. Throw that lock okay, out of my 120 lineups. Okay. Throw that out. That goes in the garbage, but I don't have like Logan Thomas and, Ty, and I, don't, I don't have T Higgins like in my good Vikings lineups or in my good Steelers lineups or like, because they're typically contained to these like three plus one type of 
game stacks. And even the secondary correlations are tied to each other where, where, yeah, I may have had uh, uh, Jamison Crowder with Mike Williams. It's like, well, Mike Williams didn't really get there. Jamison Crowder was a dud. And then that lineup is probably inside of a Cincinnati stack that didn't get there. So I take a look at that lineup and it has 60 points. So God, screw that lineup. I mean, like, <laughs> I, like, I don't care about that. All I care about is looking at and going, why, you know, I have Marvin Hall in my best lineup that has three points and go, well, well, I wish that wasn't Marvin Hall. I wish that was Denzel Mims. It just happened to not be in there. So, so by correlating, you also, you, you reduce the amount of things that you need to get right by putting yourself and, and putting yourself in the position to get first place by being different. And, uh, and you're able to play multiple lineups and go like, well, this lineup is for this outcome. And this lineup is for a completely different outcome. And then this lineup is a completely different outcome. So you're diversifying the amount of outcomes so that when one fails, you still have a lineup in contention. No, uh, you know, you know how I feel about it. Like I played a lot of Watson. So I had um, Myers as the run back a lot. I had, I had two teams with bird as the run back. Um, they, they still did crap though. Like I, I think one of them didn't have Dalvin cook, so it didn't matter. So, um, bird, you know, bird was bird was less than 1% owned. Oh, yeah. I know. Like it, and like, he didn't make sense. Myers, like his target share has been insane. Um, Harry was going to play, you know, like I played a lot of Damian Harris to be different. Um, and, and like the first quarter I was like, all right, they're going to use Damian Harris against this bad run defense. And this is, he's going to put up 20 plus points. And I think my highest scoring FanDuel team had Harris as the, uh, like a, a play. And like, if he would have done anything, it probably would have done a lot better. So, um, yeah, I don't like, like looking at this week in general, it's not the best week for a review podcast because a lot of people made good lineups this week. There's a few things that kind of stood out, like, you know, the Minnesota game, um, you know, the Dolphins defense was super popular and a lot of people play the Dolphins defense just by themselves. They didn't play Ahmed with them. I think that's a correlation you could have looked at if you were looking at like the Miami defense this week. Um, yeah. Like it, there's nothing like that is like, Right, I know. I'm looking at it also. I I, I was like, oh, there Logan Thomas chalk doesn't points. make like, sense. What? <laughs> like, Logan Thomas chalk, like he he yeah, that one. Well, like, I, I had him... one tight end. Can you blame people? It's like, what's the cheapest tight end on the slate that you could reasonably expect to get five plus targets? It was Logan. No, we had so many cheap running backs and wide receivers. I don't know. I, I think the opportunity cost is still a little too high. Hey, do you really trust Mark Andrews? I trust Mark Andrews. Like I, I trust a Mark Andrew Delzen, like a, a Mims Andrews more than like a what was it? it Logan Thomas. That would have been like a mid range wide receiver, right, like Brandon Myers Cooks, or, right? It was or Brandon Cooks, Cooks, yeah, right. Like, like that. What's wrong yeah, with that? I mean, I think that's I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I get I get what you're saying. It just he was on my list, but he wasn't nowhere near like I feel like that that like. His ownership is just a little surprising to me. Well, there's no one cheaper. Like they, it, it was yeah. more the fact that Logan Thomas at 3,300 was like the lowest guy. Yeah. Like, so if you punted, you went to him. There was no one underneath that you were probably playing. You probably weren't playing Trey Burton or Kyle Rudolph or, you know, Drew Sample or something. Like, you weren't going. <laughs> or, or you you should have played Jordan Akins. I mean, that's that, that would have been the punt guy to play, apparently. Right. Akins yeah, came but- in. 
Aikens came in at less than and uh, 1% ownership. He put up 13 points, but I mean, he was cheap. Yeah, I, I guess like just for me in general, though, like especially at tight end, like I am hardly ever going to play like a massive chalk ch- cheap tight end. I think the, the spot has too much variance. And like I played Thomas in cash last week, um, got killed in cash last week, but he did fine last week. Like um, I, I just in general, I think that tight end is just it's, it doesn't matter, but I don't want to play the chalk guy like. I am glad that I didn't do a lot of um, looking into things this week because, like, Logan Thomas would have been an easy fade for me. DK should do what FanDuel does and just allow just us put to play some hill in there. Allow us to play quarterbacks <laughs> at the tight end position. Yeah, screw it, do it. <laughs> uh, Jordan, anything else before we get out of here? Nope. Uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, I'll be on the the morning Thanksgiving. If you wake up Thanksgiving morning. At 11 o'clock Eastern before the three-game slate, it's me and uh, Chief Justice. So, so tune into that on, on YouTube for free. And uh, and the Thanksgiving slate is like one, one of the most – it's either it's one of the most fun slates as well as the, the we have to find the, who's the LeGarrette Blunt of the slate. Because all I could remember from Thanksgiving is that, like, you know, the Lions or someone would play, and it's like the guy that gets, like, three carries and three touchdowns and three yards that tilts the world. Uh, Logan Thomas that's the answer right like <laughs> go, um, yeah we'll have a morning grind up me and Grant are going to record a morning grind for Thursday's uh, three game slate on Tuesday so it'll be tomorrow's podcast it'll be up uh, mid morning later in the day and then we'll have the main slate podcast up later this week as well uh, make sure you guys are checking out we got a lot of stuff like I know I'm on the expert survey for Thanksgiving so a lot of premium stuff here um, part of your core membership here at Rotor Grinders so uh, we'll have plenty of content for the Thanksgiving slate it's a fun one there's some interesting games on Thanksgiving you got a like close divisional game with the Ravens and Steelers and then you got Washington against Dallas and Texans against Detroit so some offenses that can score some points against some bad defenses so uh, that's going to wrap it up here for the week 11 review show. We'll be back next Monday talking about all the fun stuff for week 12 um, on the podcast. So appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you guys next week.